Faith. Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, we would like to connect with you. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all your social media outlets so we can minister to you every day. God bless and hope you enjoy the episode. I am excited. I'm starting the new series. I don't preach series very often, but I'm going to start a series. Uh, at least I haven't in the last year. It doesn't seem like I've preached a series very often, but I'm going to preach a series called Everyday Missionary. Now, what do you normally think of when you think of missionary? In my mind, it used to come to somebody that is off in a foreign land. I, you may remember when, when, when you know, missionaries would come, at least in the Assemblies of God when I was growing up, they would come and they would itinerate for a year and they would tell their, they would tell their stories and everything of what God did in these foreign lands. And we'd go, hey, that's so great. God is great and big and powerful and healing people in Africa. And then... You know, and then I always had the question, well, if he could do it in Africa, why aren't you healing people here? I mean, I don't know. Oh, you know, why isn't God doing it here? Anybody ever had that thought? But oftentimes I think we think of missionaries as somebody who lives in a great far off place and does great things for God. And I think sometimes we forget that they are people just like you and me. They struggle with things just like you and I do. They have the same temptations that you and I do. The Bible says that there is uh, that there is temptation, and temptation is common to all man, right? But we have we have the power of God to get us through those temptations. So I want to redefine for just a minute what it means to be a missionary, and this is. As I was praying about this message, as I was calculating this message, just, just meditating on it, I guess. Calculating is not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Trying to put everything in order. As I was thinking about this message, I said, what is a missionary? And this is what I came up with, or this is what I feel like God dropped in my spirit. A missionary is somebody who lives on mission. What is our mission? Well, we have the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world, preaching and teaching and baptizing in the name of Jesus. Casting out devils, laying hands upon the sick, and healing them. What's our mission? Our mission is to go into all the world. But oftentimes I think we think of missionaries as somebody who... We bring up front, we lay hands upon them, we anoint them, and we send them. And there is, I am not against that. That is great, that is biblical, that is something that needs to be done. However, each and every one of us can be missionaries in our everyday lives. Amen? Let's look at scripture. Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through, I believe it is 10. If you would... Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Starting in verse number one, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That would be three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. 
who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at this, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter, and, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he went leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for this beautiful illustration, God, that we can draw out and we can learn from this morning. God, I pray that you would be with me, that your anointing would be upon me, that your anointing would be upon this house. God, I pray that you would anoint the ears to hear and the hearts to open and receive what you have for them this morning, God. I pray, Father, that you would remove my flesh from me. Let me say nothing that is from that is not from you, God, and let me preach your word with accuracy and boldness this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. So, as we talk about living on mission. What does on mission mean? Well, when I was in the military, we would come in and we would have strategy sessions and we would plan our missions. Now, someday the mission looked like, hey, we're going to drive from this point to this point, And when we get shot at, we're going to shoot back. OK, sometimes our mission was we would go and we were going to secure or we were going to go have diplomatic relations with this village or that village or there was a specific mission, but there was always a strategic plan involved in those missions. So when we say living on mission, we are living in the plan of God. Amen? Now, one thing I want to, the first thing I want us to draw out of this particular passage of scripture is that Peter and John were just going about their day. In verse number one, it says that Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were just on their way to church. Now, they did church a little bit differently than we do, than we do today. In the Jewish synagogue, they would have prayer services like four times a day. So you would have the morning prayer, you would have the noontime prayer, you would have the three o'clock prayer, and you would have the evening time prayer. And each of those different prayers had a different significance to them. And if you want to learn about those different significances to the prayer, come on Wednesday night when Sister Crystal teaches about it. Amen? Or tune in online because we live stream every Wednesday night and you can watch it on Facebook as well. But they were going to the three o'clock prayer, which actually is the prayer for the return of the Messiah. Amen? That's what they would have been praying for. They had a specific prayer for people out and about on the streets. That, that is an effective strategy. However, that's not what they were doing here. They were just living their lives. They were just going to church. 
on a random day. They were just out and about amongst the people. Amen? And the second thing I want to draw out of this is they were just living their lives when they came upon a man who had a need. How do we live on mission? The second thing is we've got to identify the need. They, they tell us when we go to, when I go to all my pastor training and all this fun stuff, that if you want to be effective in the community, you have to find the needs of the community. What are the needs of Chillicothe? Amen? What are, what are the needs, and let's break it down to our specific areas. What are the needs where you live? What are the needs of your neighbors? What are the needs of your coworkers? What is needful? Where can we help? You see, Peter and John were just going about their day, but all of a sudden they stumbled upon because we don't give a name, it's just a certain man. We're not giving a name for him. But let's look at him and let's see the anatomy of need inside of this man's life. You see, he was lame. Now we know that lame means that he could not walk. And think about it, in a culture where they didn't have electric buggies for them to ride around the supermarket on, how important is it to be able to walk? How important is it to be able for him to get around? It's very important. And, and you think about it, you think about how much of a burden would he have been on those and those around him? Because he was lame, he was crippled. There was nothing he could do about it. The only thing that he could do was sit at a gate called beautiful. Could you imagine being taken being in an ugly situation, taken to a gate called beautiful every day. Even in the Bible, we get the description. He was a certain man at a gate called beautiful. Because how many know you can live in a beautiful place and still have an ugly situation? You can live in the land of God's favor and promise, yet you can still walk through some things. We can still be needful of some things. Amen? He was needful. He was lame. He was broken. And I'm telling you what, in today's day and age, there are plenty of people who are lame and broken on the inside. There are plenty of people who are just begging and dying for somebody to wrap their arms around them and tell them you matter and I love you and you are the best thing ever. God loves you and I love you. Because, but, but you see, there are so many people that are living in a beautiful promised land. You can't tell me that we are not blessed in this country. But they are living in the midst of a beautiful place in the hope and despair. There is no hope and there is despair. Dear, could you give me a bottle of water, please? Or somebody. They are living, he, he was a man in an ugly situation living in a beautiful place. And he was just trying to survive. He was just trying to survive in an ugly, ugly situation. How many in this room today 
Now, I know there's many. I don't want you to raise your hand. But you could say, I'm sure there are many watching online or in this room today saying, I am just trying to survive in the midst of an ugly situation in a place where I, in a place, I should be happy, but I'm not. I should be prosperous, but I'm not. I should be the happiest person there is, but I'm not. Because spiritually, I am lame in one area of my life or another. Because you see, it's like the story of Mephibosheth. Remember Mephibosheth? He was dropped. And oftentimes our dysfunction is not our fault, but our dysfunction becomes our identity. Because he was a man in need in a beautiful place that had no way to survive. And many of us today either are in that situation or know somebody in that situation. The anatomy of a need. They are unable to pay their bills. They are unable to get out of the situation that they are in on their own. Let's not even talk about physical needs. Let's talk about a spiritual need for just a second. There are so many people that live inside the churches of the wall. That come here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Or churches across this city and they are desperately in need but they will not put down the religious mask for one moment to say ah God I need help but they are just begging for a piece of bread to survive the day they're just begging to survive the day <coughs> because they don't know any other way to live Think about how many people you come across on a daily basis that look good on the outside, but on the inside they are begging for hope. They are begging for help. They are begging in a place called beautiful. The third thing let's draw out of this. He was lame. From his mother's womb, his lameness wasn't his fault. But he was carried and laid daily at the gate. You see, he had a system for his dysfunction. He had a support group to tell him, you may be a drug addict and... Praise God. That's why you know why I don't like Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm gonna tell you right now why I do not like Alcoholics or Narcotics Anonymous because they get up and you've got to get up and you've got to say, "Hi, my name is Sean and I'm an alcoholic." And I don't know about anybody else, but that's not freedom. Nope. Nope. That is just a support system to keep you in bondage. Unpopular opinion, right here. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. If that's what's keeping you from drinking, then albeit that's fine, keep going. But I'm here to tell somebody this morning that there is a better way than saying I am an alcoholic. You say, no, my name is Sean and I'm a child of God. And I may be tempted to drink and I may be tempted to put drugs in.
in my veins and I may be tempted to do something else, but I am not that person anymore. Because how many people know that that temptation is not what causes you to have sin? That thought that jumps in is not sin. It is when you grab a hold of that thought, you dwell on that thought, you meditate on that thought, you pray about that thought, and then all of a sudden you say, I am going to make a plan to sin. You are not an alcoholic, you are a child of God. You are not a drug addict, you are a child of God. You are not depressed, you're a child of God. You are not anxious, you are a child of God. You are not broke, you're a child of God. You are, come on, one of the best things that we've got to get through out of our minds is a poverty mentality. Amen. That money in your bank account ain't yours, it's God's. That property you own ain't yours. It's God's. And if he says give it all away, is he not faithful in this day, in this time, to give back to you abundantly more than you can ask, think, or dwell? So I'm telling somebody, you've got to quit looking at your money as your source. That money and that job ain't your source. That paycheck ain't your source. Your source is almighty living God. It is Yahweh sitting in heaven. That is your source. Whew, I don't know where that came from, but praise God. You see, because we have these systems that keep us in bondage from doing what God has called us to do. Mm. Do I go? Do I go there? Do, do, do I go there? Are y'all y'all ready? Can, can I can I go somewhere that might be mildly offensive? Oh, do it. Can, can, can I do it? Can I? Can I? Can I all right, all right. <laughs> Have you ever thought that your job might be the thing that you are holding on to that might be your support system? To keep you in your dysfunction and out of what God actually wants for you to do. Have you ever thought? Think about it. There are so many people that say, I can't go on the mission field because I've got this, I've got that, I've got this responsibility, I've got that responsibility. But I remember the words of Jesus who said, Take up your cross and follow me. I remember the words of Jesus where he looked at the rich young ruler and said, go sell everything you own and follow me. And he went away sad because he didn't want to give it all up because he had a system to keep him in his dysfunction. He could have had a higher calling. He could have done something. Else. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. But maybe that young man could have been the 12th apostle. He maybe could have been Judas's replacement if he would have given it all away and say, hey, there's something better in this life than riches and gold. There is something better in this life. But we all get caught up in these systems of dysfunction sometimes that keep us from going where God has called us to go. Why do we why don't we do it, Sister Sarah? Why don't we just say 
abandon everything, throw the sails and say, we're going to follow God. And you know what? Praise God. If he wants me to have this job, then I'm going to keep walking in it. But I'm going to submit everything to him instead of saying, well, this is my source. This is where my income comes from. Not, I don't know. We have a system to keep us in this function. And you see, he was there and he saw Peter and John. Now, I don't know how Peter and John were dressed, but maybe they looked like they had a little bit. Maybe they looked like me, and I said, oh, man, I can just kind of dressed up. Or kind of, what my mom lovingly refers to as my Rod Parson look. This is my good preaching suit coat. I like this. Maybe they had a look about them that said, <clears throat> maybe they've got some money. Or maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe there was such a peace on them. Maybe there was an anointing on them. Maybe there was something about them that just said, that man's got my answer. To at least get through today. But I love Peter's response. Because what did Peter say to him? Look at me. Because what was the man used to? We've seen poor people. You know what? When people are poor, you know what most people do? Avoid them. Just be real. Now I know we got we've got people of all different means in this church, and we got people of all different means living on this. But most times, when people are poor. Have you ever been? Have you ever been to a big city and actually seen poor people? I mean, like homeless people. I mean, people not 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 people who have a job and are getting a little bit of income, but are struggling. But I mean, people who haven't taken a bath in a week or six or a year. <laughs> have you seen poverty? I, I've walked down the streets of New York City, and I have seen. Those people. And most people just ignore them. Why? Because it's easier to ignore the problem than it is to do something about it. It's easier to take 50 cents out of your pocket and throw it at somebody and just keep walking and think I've done my good deed for the day. But you see, when Peter and John saw him they looked at him and they said, no, 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 no. Look at me. Now, if we were saying this was Jesus saying, look at me, we could say, oh, well, let's just, we got to all look at God. And, and when we see God, he's going to provide our miracle. But no, that's not what the text says, right? The text says, Peter and John said, look at me. Fix your attention on me. Fix. Where's your attention fixed? Where are people's attentions fixed? 
Because you see, what happens next is they said, look at me. And then they said, look at God. They pointed the way to Jesus. They said, look at me. Silver and gold I do not have. I, how many know we ain't got to have all the means in the world? How many know we don't have the biggest means in the world? But God does. But how many of you know that in this room today, you are richer than you have ever been? You are, you, you carry something inside of you. You carry a seed on the inside of you called faith. You carry something on the inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead has now quickened my mortal body and now lives in me bodily. I am, I have God living on the inside of me. Anybody, can anybody testify to that? God, God's living on the inside of me. So I don't need money. I've got something greater to give you than just a financial resource. They said, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I will give. But how many know it's easier to give money? It's easier to give money than it is to pay the price to actually carry enough weight of anointing on your life to be able to actually do something. How many know it's easier to it's it's easier to just give a little bit of silver and gold and ignore the problem and say I've done my life than it is to actually get on our hands and knees and not let the altar fires burn out and not let anything happen and start sacrificing and start cutting off some things. It's easier to give the money than it is to give them God. Because when we got when we have to carry something that's expensive. When we have to take up our cross and follow him, you know what the cross always represents? The cross always represents a dying. A dying to self. That's why Paul says, I must crucify my flesh daily so that I don't live, but it is he that lives on the inside of me. Because if we are ever going to learn how to be an effective and live, if we are ever going to learn how to effectively be on mission in this life, we have to crucify the flesh and we have to know that it is Christ Jesus walking into our places of business. It is Christ Jesus walking into our homes. It is Christ Jesus living on the inside of me that is encountering people at their place of need. But I have to be the one to take the step of faith. You see what, you see what God's trying to tell us here. You see, it's Peter said, look at me, but what I have, I don't really have. I can only give you what I have, and what I have comes from Jesus Christ. And that's what he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And how many ever tried it and failed? And it didn't work. You laid hands on it and it didn't work. I think every hand in the room could probably go up, couldn't you? Because it's really easy. Pastor, it's really easy for you to get up there and say, just have faith, brother. But you don't know what I'm walking through. Yeah, I do. Because remember, everything goes from the head. So what you're walking through, I'm walking through. Or have already walked through. Right? right? So yeah, I do get it. 
Yeah, I have laid my hands on people and nothing happened. What do you do? You keep praying. You keep moving. You keep going. Why? Because faith is living and active. Faith does not quit. But you see, I think sometimes we miss the next step that Peter did here. You see, Peter didn't just pray it. Peter declared it. Peter said, it, this is happening. This is done. How many times do we pray, Father, if it be your will, I pray that you would heal them. If it is your will, Father. No. I can tell you right now. You want to know the will of God for your life? To live abundantly, to prosper in all things, and to have good health. That's the will of God for your life. That doesn't mean we're not going to go through trials. That doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. But that does mean that the will of God is for good things to happen in your life. Period. Doesn't mean we're not going to walk through things, but that's not the will of God. The will of God is that you would have every good thing in your life. So Peter, knowing who Jesus is, knowing who God is, declares over him, you are healed. He didn't even say you are healed. He said, get up and walk. Forty years at the gate. And Peter goes, get up and walk. What would have happened through that cat's mind? After 40 years of dysfunction, get up, get up and walk. Like most people in our world today would say, I'm lame. I can't walk. But you want me to get up and walk? You're crazy. But here's the next step that Peter did. He reached out his hand. He reached out his hand. He grabbed a hold of that man and he pulled him up. The Bible actually says that the healing didn't occur until Peter reached out. Because you see, it's real easy for us to say in here and declare, you are healed. What if God is ready to use you for the healing? What if God is wanting you. He's ready. But what if he's wanting to use you to take that step of faith and say, stand up and walk. Right. Yeah, I'm talking about real miracles. Because it's really easy for us today to say, yeah, well, the miracle of salvation. Well, that is a miracle, absolutely. What if we actually had the faith to believe that Jesus Christ was actually living inside of us and actually wanted to do things through us? Yes. What if we actually believed that? Would that change the way we lived? Would that make us be on mission every day? Is that, is that what that would do? Would that maybe change our outset? If we looked and we said, you know what? 
The God of Scripture lives on the inside of me, and my personality and my characteristics still get to come through. But guess what? I crucify my flesh, and I choose to let him flow through me into the needs of the community around me, what would what would begin to happen if we actually believed that what was in the book was possible today? I think that so many times we look at the Bible and we have become cessationist in our doctrine. We can say we believe it, but we live like we don't. <coughs> we say we're going to be praying for you, but how many of us actually pray? Because I can put something on Facebook right now and it would have a hundred people say we're praying. But I tell you, if a hundred people were actually praying, how many situations would be turned around? Come on, if a hundred people actually grabbed the horns of the altar and said, I believe with you, brother, for your miracle. If everybody in this room actually began to pray and to sow seed into our Offering to believe that this building would be paid off and we can build a new one by the end of next year. What would happen if we actually grabbed a hold of the word? Because you know in the word, it says that they called for an offering. And when the children of Israel gave into the offering, they had more. Moses had to tell them to stop giving. Because they understood that what they had was not theirs. What they had belonged to God. And if they give it to God, God will always give it back. Amen. Pressed down, shaken, and running over. Praise God. Look at this man. This man, met Peter and John met this man in intense need. They met him in intense need. And they met the need. There are many people, I've been praying, I've been racking my brain and praying for a year and a half now almost. God, what does Chillicothe need? And I go, I've got somebody, they've already got, my point does the food thing. And I, I, the food thing, that's like the biggest, the, you know, we give away food. Everybody needs food and clothing. Food and clothing is pretty much covered in this town. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, that, like there's really nothing that we can do physically. Unless somebody knows something that I know of. That I don't know of. And if you do, come tell me. Because we're, we're looking for needs to meet in this city. However, what if we stopped looking at the physical needs and we said, bless God, we're going to anoint each and every one of you to go to your neighborhood this week and start talking to people and start praying for people. What if we said, praise God, we're going to meet the spiritual need of this city and, 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 and I, I, we're looking for physical needs to meet. But what if that's the cop-out that the church has used for years? Come on, Pastor. There you go. <laughs> Come on. What if that's the cop-out that we've used to feel good about not being able to actually lay hands upon them and heal the sick? What if that's our cop-out? What if that's our excuse? Now, I'm not saying we, should. We, we definitely should. The Bible talks about it. But you see... Miracle had purpose. Right. Now I'm going to get myself in trouble again. Woo! I like getting myself in trouble. Because here's what we want to do in the church today. 
let's pray somebody and oh my God, you had a stub toe and it got healed. I mean, it took, you know, three days and started feeling better because that's what stub toes do, right? But now we're going to shove a camera and a microphone up your nose and we're going to say, I'm Pastor Sean Silkwood and I prayed for you and God healed them. Why? Not because we're trying to build God's kingdom. Come on. Whose kingdom are we building? You see, Peter and John said, my, through the power of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. So many times we want to say, I prayed for them. I was involved. I healed them. And we have taken the doctrine of healing and we have idolized man with it. Why is God not healing today? Maybe because we've made it an idol. Because what was God trying to do in this story? He used the miracle for them to preach the gospel. How many times have we prayed so that we could feel the validation? Because maybe I'm in right standing with God if God will heal them. But you see, your right standing doesn't come through working of miracles. Because one of the, the verses that one of the verses that terrifies me the most out of the Bible is this: They will stand before me in that day and say, "Lord, Lord, did we not heal in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name?" Yet I say to them, I do not know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Because you see, the miracle is not the goal. The miracle is the fruit. When we learn who we are, we learn that it's about my identity in Christ Jesus is not so that I and stand here and be some big great preacher and stand in front of thousands of people. I pray God that happens one day. But you know what? My identity in Christ says I am an overcomer and I can overcome whatever comes my way. You see, because in this story, the miracle led to the preaching of the gospel and the preaching of the gospel led to persecution. Oh, I was going to preach that next week, but I think I'm going to touch it right now. Because are you willing to take the heat that comes with doing what God asks you to do? Come on. Because Peter and John were thrown into prison. And I do believe they were beaten. And they were told, don't preach in Jesus' name anymore. And Peter looked at that Sanhedrin and he said this, I can no longer hold my tongue about what Jesus Christ has done for me than, in, than the man in the moon. I cannot stop declaring the goodness of God. But I, oh, I'm telling you what, what has shut you up? You see, because the church in the last year and a half has had a muzzle put around her mouth, what has shut you up? 
I don't care. The world has gotten dark. Yeah, yeah, but pastor, the world has gotten dark. I don't care how dark the world is. What has shut you up? Because you see, we've gotten too quiet. Peter and John said, I'm going to pray for boldness. So I declare it even more. They said, God, give us boldness, not only to make the religious mad even matter, but to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Give us boldness to declare who you are. Give us boldness to reach out and meet people at their point of need. That's right. See, we have to become a people on mission. We have to be a people of everyday missionaries. Every day on mission for Christ. Meeting people at the point of their need. Pointing them to Jesus. And declaring the gospel message. That is what we as a people, no matter if this is your church home or not, no matter where you are from, no matter if you're watching this today or you're watching this 10 years from now, no matter what, we have to be a people on mission. Amen? Amen. Cody, if you would put some music on for me, something soft, preferably with no words. I want to open the altars. We're going to open the altars this morning. And we, here's my altar call. If you say, Pastor, I want to live on mission. I want to live every day on mission for God. I want to live every day like Peter and John, just going about my daily business, but always being cognizant to the voice of the Spirit saying, I am going to meet somebody at their point of need with what I have. If that is you, I would like for you to come up here and stand in the altars because we're going to lay hands on you this morning. If that is you and you say, I want to live my life on, mi on mission, on mission for Christ. If that is you, make your way to this front right now.